0: Hey everybody. Welcome back to Contest Prep University. I'm Joe Klimczewski with Adam Atkinson. Today, we're going to talk about what it means to have true coaching versus somebody who is just what we like to call a one-trick pony, or they ascribe to a certain methodology, and that's just what you get. I, I do see things passed around the internet where one client starts comparing notes with another client of the same coach, and and they say, "Well, why do we have the exact same peak week? We're we're to- totally different bodies, or this, or training programs, and that sort of thing." And, and I don't think Adam, anybody seeking for uh, a coaching relationship, has the mentality. Okay, I want a coach who is more plan driven. I know they have quote great protocols great programming, great methods, or no, I don't want that. I want somebody who will have a a solid professional relationship and and will be a coaching coach. I think everybody just expects the latter. They think every coach is that way, and they may not find out otherwise until deeper into the process. So I want to spend this session, from my perspective talking about something we discussed in the nutrition coaching Global mastermind this month which was you know how good coaches stay current with evidence what that means how it's applied to their coaching I think that's a big part of this but but maybe even us giving ideas to clients uh, you know some coaches do this some don't some some do this and, and let's kind of sift through some of the things that maybe telltale signs of of what e- good coaching is how we even define that. Yeah, you know, this
1: is something I feel like I battle a lot because I do open Zoom calls with my clients, um, you know, personalized audio-based emails. And, you know, they will ask, like, so what's the plan? And I almost hate it when clients ask that because this is not a planned environment. We're going to check in each by week each week by week and I don't even really like to call myself a coach anymore and you guys might see me coin this later but I like calling myself a nutrition or bodybuilding caddy versus a coach because I'm gonna tell you what club to swing at the right time and I think a lot of times people are worried about swinging two clubs they want to gain muscle and lose fat at the same time or they you know they're like I want to have healthy hormones and be lean and it's like you you can't controversially swing those clubs at the same time and also the last thing I want to do is tell a client we're gonna putt on the third shot when you know, we could be in the sand trap on that third shot. So you certainly don't want to have your um, choices planned ahead of time. There is some planning involved, but not everything goes to plan. And more than often it doesn't in a contest prep or even a general weight loss journey or people have vacations come up, they have life events happen, they have stress Uh You know, I think I think it comes down to the fact that some coaches, though still promote plans. And that's why it is so hard to break that thought process with people is, you know, they get coaches who just give them all 12 weeks right up front. Here's what we're going to do. Weeks one through 12 or they buy a challenge. And uh, I still see that stuff floating around. And I can't imagine people not wanting a customized approach, you know.
0: So, so here's, the, here's the problem with that, Adam, because I, I have struggled with that for decades, even and maybe especially working with general population clients. Uh, it is so difficult to explain and to, quote, sell coaching because it it sounds very abstract it sounds very conceptual and most people are more commodity minded i'm going to give you this aka money and you're going to give me this and they want to know what do i get and so there's a a point of tangibility people like things that they hold on to they can download it's pretty it's a it's a pdf or it's some kind of as you're saying a plan and I'll give you just one quick example, a couple of my uh, international clients who are competing this week, again, and and understandably, long travel, things like that, two weeks ahead of time, they wanted their peak week plans. And I had to say, dude, like, wow, I have no idea what we're going to do then. Like, we're, we're, that's two weeks away. I've got to continue to finish what we're doing right now in the interim to get to that point see how your body's responding, see where we are, that's going to change everything. But again, that's sometimes not fun for the client. And so one of the things just from me to you, Adam, and maybe to other coaches who really feel responsible to give clients what they're asking for, how can you make something feel tangible? How can you make it feel like they're getting something, but there's still that coaching element? Um, I, I will say just, just a little bit to to continue our conversation, I think one of the reasons some coaches are more plan driven or more cookie-cutter in their approach. And I don't even want to say that in a derogatory way, because you know, if, if if I'm going in for a spine surgery and there is this technique versus this technique, and all of these doctors do it this way, and these doctors do it this way. The human vertebrae are pretty similar. You know, the injuries are pretty similar. Uh, You have to learn a methodology, something that's very, very rote, R-O-T-E, very cut and dry, very, you know, visually explainable. But then you open the body up with the scalpel that first time and every person's different. You're going to see things how you're going to have to now apply that methodology differently. What I I think in the coaching world is that the people with the least amount of education, the least amount of actual knowledge, they have to just default down to that one-trick pony status. This is all they know. It worked for them, perhaps. It worked for their buddy. Uh, It's what was taught to them in a weekend certification or something. Maybe their favorite influencer says this is the way to go, and that becomes their adopted trade. And they just can't think through other methodologies, other nuances because it's just not in their brain. They just don't know it,
1: yeah, that's a really good point. And I think in a lot of normal cases, sometimes the plans can work. Uh, I've also seen it where you know someone gets way, way, way too lean, or you know, maybe the coach has a um a thought process on calories should never be this low. And then many of their clients don't get lean enough. You know, they have that, that one genetic freak they worked with, and they said this worked for that champion. So we're using it for everybody down the road. You know, that definitely happens, you know, um, sometimes you see teams where the head coach is much less fluent than the associate coach under them you know you've got like the leader of the pack and you see the other coach who works under them and it's like how are they producing pro after pro and you never see the top dog like produce anybody um so you always wonder how some of these camps are ran um so I always find that kind of interesting and I think it's because Within that camp, you probably have someone who does plans, and then you have somebody who actually does, you know, get under the microscope, and they find those differences. And, um, you know, that's probably what keeps that camp alive, you know, is that one person who's kind of pulling the weight of everybody else. So it is kind of interesting Um what brought this up for me as a topic is I have a client getting ready for a photo shoot and we're three weeks out. And she said, can I go ahead and get my peak week now so I can plan everything? And I said, no, I can't. But however, I want you to understand that peak week is not going to be so drastically different that it's going to throw you off step. And I know that may not be what you want to hear because You know, she's probably expecting he's gonna do some kind of backload or some kind of you know crazy magistry with me. But I found that as a great opportunity as saying we still have some work ahead of us now. Don't expect the peak week to be the final touches these last two weeks are. And I think a lot of people still think of peak week as being the magic trick to get you ready. You should be ready far. Before peak week,
0: you know, I, I I experimented this last month with a couple clients, and it's going well. Um, I think almost everybody in the industry uses a version of my old first generation peak week planning spreadsheets and so forth from twenty five years ago where you're giving people macronutrients and their flow of training, cardio, water, sodium, et cetera. Then when you get down to contest day, you're typically mapping it out meal by meal by meal. And I, I had a couple of clients that had extremely different types of food intakes because of vegetarianism, because of international food source differences and so forth. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to give you a meal by meal macronutrient design. Like here's, you know, Saturday through Friday, of peak week, six days where it's macro driven, like we've always done. Then on contest day, instead of, instead of telling you to eat this exact food source at this exact amount, I want you to have your exact same meal one breakfast, but let's kind of make sure we're fitting it into these macros for these reasons. And let's do this. And, and they were a little bit stunned initially that, wow, you're not going to tell me exactly what to eat. And I said, well, you're going to eat the same foods you eat every day. Like we're just going to maybe adjust the amounts a little bit. And talk about consistency and their ability to just look exactly how they're used to looking every day in a very good sense, because it's something we've been testing for weeks at that point. And both of these people won their shows, won overall is what well, you know, against hundreds of competitors uh, in, in their particular shows. And so not that that's something I will do for everybody, but it shows your point that coaching is not having some bizarre plan that you give every single person the same foods at the same times in the same amounts or in the same order, something like that. It's just simply letting people, you know, use what their their homeostatic physiology is already adjusted to, uh, what foods are comfortable with, the same food sources they have. So that, that's one thing to consider. But I want to I mention that this is a struggle I have as a, a father figure to the industry, when I started licensing coaches 20 some years ago, before this whole thing was even an in industry, it was because there was no industry and legislatively, anybody who was not an RD registered dietitian or physician, they were blocked from doing anything. So I had to hire an MD and an RD to be our medical director and dietetics director to make this legal in in the things that I was doing to, to license coaches and so forth. I, I, what was the tip of the spear for this entire industry, competitive coaching, as well as just general population coaching, because then all of a sudden thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of people just rose up and said, okay, it's wide open. We can just do this. I had to make the decision, Adam, Because back then, my heels were dug in to say, wait a second, you're going to ruin this for everybody. This is illegal. The hammer's going to drop at some point. And it just didn't. And I think, like the phrase goes, possession is nine-tenths of the law. We already have things like personal trainers that aren't licensed. They're not legislated against. Matter of fact, you could do anything you want and as long as you don't get sued or have some kind of catastrophic negligence that causes a problem even you as an individual you you're just never going to be outside of you know the radar nobody's going to care so that's just kind of where our whole industry has gone and i had to make the decision i guess that's okay maybe i mean so then what are we going to do i decided i have to get on the side of not just licensing coaches, but certifying them. So we created the National Academy of Metabolic Science. I'm the USA Director for the Sports Nutrition Association. We mentor coaches on the business and career development side. We now do all these things instead of saying, no, you can't do that unless you're under an umbrella like us. Now it's, yes, you can do it. Let's just make sure you're doing it well. So, you know, there's still a lot of work to do, Adam, because you and I both know there are just horrible coaches who do horrible things. That's what we're both talking against here. Uh, But the poor client on the other end often just doesn't know, you know, they don't know who's credible and who's not. So, so my, my question to you in all of that, you know, I had my kind of epiphany 10 or so years ago when I decided I gotta, I gotta really switch gears and help these coaches how do you see the future of that going and and what maybe do you think are the best steps for clients to, to entertain?
1: Well, my hope is that, you know, stuff like our NAM certification takes off and starts being a standard in the industry. And maybe if not that something, (laughs) you know, I I think that that would be a great first step. Uh, We do have to protect, the clients and the athletes and uh you know it in the world of bodybuilding you know it's it's a pretty unregulated sport i think there need to be a lot of education on you know the the potential outcomes and um just more education on the side effects of some of the things that people are doing and I think people can just make overall better choices. Um I think right now it this new era is so new that I think there's going to be maybe a lot of people down the road that have some regrets and I I think we're maybe 10 years from seeing that but I think we are going to start seeing that um and that might detract from the sport a bit. So I think it's important for this stuff to move forward now <laughs> so we can prevent a, a big uprise to that because um, I think we're going to see a, a kind of reverse wave or or maybe a, a tidal wave effect where, you know, the industry maybe uh, crashes because there's a lot of really unhappy people out there based on the decisions they made. And, and that starts with the coaches, you know, and the coaches educating You know, one thing my clients always like is the fact that when they don't understand something, um, me explaining it to them, or if they're looking to go into the enhanced route. It's not just like, here's your protocol. It's what's your family history? What do you want to avoid do you really want to do this? Have you thought about the future? Do you want to have kids? Do you have any other risk factors against you? It's a conversation versus a copy and paste sheet of paper. Well, you're going to enhance. Here's what everybody does. You know, there's definitely some variables there. And I think there needs to be further education beyond just the nutrition world. So um, there definitely needs to be nearly like a um, a governing body that helps the coaches help make these better connections with the athletes.
0: Yeah, I don't I, I've thought about that, obviously, for years and years. And I don't know how that happens. Part of the reason why I created the Nutrition Coaching Global Mastermind was such a deep board of directors. You know, we have about eight PhD and MD level people on the board from all fields, research fellows, sports psychologists, physicians, et cetera, is at some point somebody has to step up and and create that role of a governing agency and not, not so much that they govern but at least it's a standard of practice step. Uh, and, and at some point, everybody does just accept that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm a big believer in the free market, but a free market with safety regulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, you you can drive a car in the United States, right? Like you can go drive your car. Not if you're not 16, not if you didn't, didn't pass a test, you can't drive 120 miles an hour in a 55 speed zone. So you're free to do it, but there are still boundaries. And mm-hmm. within our field, there just are no boundaries. There are zero, um, not even for you to worry about. I mean, again, I mention this all the time, but we have physique sport coaches who have killed their clients, fucking murdered them. Mm-hmm. No consequences. That's fine. No, yeah, you know sorry, their heart stopped because I dehydrated them and overloaded them with potassium and dehydrated them and dropped their blood pressure to, you know, literal death levels. Sorry, next, you know, I mean, it's just it it is ridiculous on that extreme. But then you also have 99.99% of people who don't harm people, they might not be good at what they do, there may be much better choices. So I I don't know how this all ends. Um, As you said, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, who knows? In the meantime, I think it is imperative that people like us uh, continue to show the difference. And I'll give you an example. Uh, Eric Helms was on our uh, Nutrition Coaching Global Mastermind call this week. And he, uh, not even as a point of debate, he just made the assumption that, you know, obviously coaches have all kinds of different educational backgrounds. And we were talking about, again, staying current with evidence. So he said, you know, maybe if you don't have any college education whatsoever in the sciences, um, you don't have a bachelor's degree in exercise science, you don't have a master's degree in nutrition, you're not not an RD, you don't have a PhD, you know, maybe your best course of action for staying current is to get a simple entry-level college textbook nutrition, biochemistry, and just read it. Chapter one, let's get in here. Let's see what energy balance is all about. Because if you start getting too far ahead, thinking, for example, that you can understand a very comprehensive, complex study, you just can't. You just can't. You don't have the equipment there to do it. You've not been taught. And then he said, but, you know, let's say you have a master's degree and you're used to research. Maybe you stay current By creating a little bit of a research club, maybe you join some people and you you engage yourself in their work doing that, like mass or reps or something like that, you know, different organizations who do that. We have the International Society of Sports Nutrition. We have Human Kinetics as a publisher who started under the umbrella of the National Strength and Conditioning Association. There are some pretty big areas where people are conducting and amassing research But again, you know, Eric was just making the point that we have coaches who don't have any education. We have coaches with PhDs. But the great thing about his his describing that without even getting into that detail is that we just expect somebody who is good, who does care, who wants to do the right thing. Even outside of traditional education, there are paths forward to learn and and that's incredibly important uh you know for these coaches to arise and help solidify this as a true disciplined occupation absolutely you know i was thinking about kind of what you were saying
1: too like there's you know speed limits most jobs have osha or personal protective equipment that must be used you know there there has to be a way to protect these people a little bit more you know
0: i agree i agree
1: so um actually one of my old clients went with that coach just recently that killed somebody and uh i sent her the article and she i don't think she cares and i said that is absolutely crazy to me
0: (laughs) yeah so (laughs) So in the spirit of buyer beware, yes, there will always be people making some bad decisions, but let's, let's wrap up on a a more positive note, because again, I, I have my own personal evolution with this. I, I knew what the laws were. I knew the restrictions. And so I created a company and a business model to work with that, not to circumvent it. And, you know, that's always going to be my mentality as a professional who, not only wants to play by the rules, but I will always contest rules that are just not consequential or unfair or unnecessary. But at the same time, to, to your point, I, I love that OSHA example. Uh, I'm always going to bash, speak harshly against people who just shouldn't be in this industry. But let's say there there is, there's just no standard of practice. There just isn't. I was in my crawl space with a technician for our annual inspection. The guy comes out and, you know, we had our, our crawl space encapsulated years ago. And so there's a whole house dehumidifier in there. They come in, they inspect it for things from Brown recluse spiders to termites, to looking for any cracks in the foundation or mold. It's just like, this is kind of an environmental hygienist who does all this and You know, this is probably a 23 year old kid. He doesn't look like he's an engineer or that he went to college. I mean, this is a kid who could be working at McDonald's one day and then crawling underneath my house the next day. But he was explaining to me like all the things he's looking for. You could tell he was trained very well because he's talking about stuff I have no idea. He's even saying, okay, look over here at this joist versus this. There's no mold in your basement, but you can tell like this was a water stain at one point, maybe from whatever, or this or this. And we still want to treat this because, you know, it could be a stain left over from this, or it could be this. It could have mold spores that are dormant in this. And like, holy shit, like, I I don't know any of this. Like, this this is good stuff. And he's identifying a couple of dead bugs. And he's like, yeah, I mean, this isn't this, this is this, this is this. These come out in the fall or whatever. And I'm thinking this guy clearly loves his job. I mean, he loves the fact that he's got me down there to not not impress, but just, you know, show me what he's doing. He He feels he's providing the value that I'm paying for. I feel like that can be a lot of good coaches in our industry. You you don't have to have a master's degree in nutritional biochemistry, but you sure better involve yourself in some training. You better know exactly what you're doing and why you're doing it. You should be able to explain it. You should have the the nuance to go through every single situation as this technician, this hygienist was doing and and have a reason for, for what you're doing differently than you might for another context. So again I I'm, I'm still on I obviously have an education bias. I feel like there are always people, clients who could could have a, have a life altering bad experience with a coach because of a very unique situation, a health condition, something that comes up, a coach just makes a bad call on the on the wrong day and if something catastrophic happens that somebody else would have been able to catch because they have more training or education, that's my fear. That's my fear to the nth degree. But at the same time, as I said, we can't just stop the entire industry from moving forward. It's that that ship has sailed. We're not going to change it. And so I, I feel like our roles just have to be in educating the clients enough that they can make their, their best decisions. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you, uh, as always, bringing up a great topic. And, uh, you know, hopefully our, our clients will will be able to take something away from this, just, just to be a little bit more discerning, or not, not even our clients, just listeners, viewers, that sort of thing. So I will chat with you next time, Adam, and you guys as well in Contest Prep University. See you next time.